If you look with us, please, in the Word of God into Jeremiah chapter uh, 5. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 5. I begin reading, if I may, at verse 25. The Scripture tells us, <clears throat> Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait, as he that setteth snares, they set a trap, they catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore they are become great and waxen rich. They are waxen fat, they shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. In the right of the needy do they not judge. Shall not I visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on a nation such as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? For a few moments this morning, I'd like to use verse 30 for my text, also for my basis of thinking, and talk about a horrible thing has happened in the land. The Bible said a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. One translation says a horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. These words came from the heart of God through the lips of the prophet Jeremiah to a backslidden people. It was both a plea as well as a warning. This was the second sermon that Jeremiah preached. And the first sermon we find a startling statement uh, that basically in many respects is typical of our society today. <coughs> in chapter 2 and verse 13, God made this charge against his people. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the springs of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Oh, the difference between uh, a living water, a fountain of living water, and a sister that's incapable of holding any water at all. When I see society, the world in which we live today, and the church of which you and I are part of today, and I see the world and the church in relation to each other, I'm made to realize that there uh, is tremendous opportunity of ministry that you and I have upon this world and a difference that we can make in society. But also realize a horrible thing has happened in the land today, and that is the church is not what the church ought to be doing, and the church is not the church that at one time was. Let me say, if I may, there is a church within the church. There is a professing church, and those that claim to know the Lord, that their loss is a ball in high weeds. They may have the form, they may have the ritual, or they may go through the steps of the ceremony and the pomp of the ceremony, but they re really have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. But there is also a real true blue church, born again by the Spirit of the living God, allowing the Holy Spirit to have access to our hearts and to our lives. And the true church is getting the job done today for the glory of the Lord. There are many people that seem to say, well, the church has lost its power. No, sir, the church is still holding back the powers of Antichrist today. And as soon as the Holy Spirit raptures the church out of this world, the Antichrist spirit will indeed uh, come upon this earth in power, uh, in, in deception, and the list goes on and on. So I'm grateful I belong to the church of the firstborn whose names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
It's not a man-made church that will get the job done. It is the church of the living God that's very much alive that will get the job done today. But with that being said, I would like to remind you a horrible thing is committed in the land. The church uh, has lost her vision and lost her burden. Many Christian churches that believe that Jesus is the means whereby we be saved. Many Christian churches believe that there is no way to get saved except through the blood of Jesus Christ and yet those same people have lost their burden and their vision. There are many spirit-filled churches today that started out running the race well uh, but have lost their vision and lost their burden somewhere along the way. Uh, the Holy Spirit-filled church, God's last venue, last avenue of seeing a lost world uh, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ uh, has lost the burden and lost God's vision today. I know of some churches that have not reported one single convert in an entire year. Brothers and sisters, if my own personal ministry uh, is that unfruitful and that ineffectual, I believe I would either quit the ministry or I'd fall up on my face before God and ask him the reason why I don't see converts in my own ministry. Uh, I believe preaching of God's word faithfully, the preaching of God's word earnestly under the anointing and the quickening of the Holy Spirit of God will still bring results today. I still believe the preaching of the gospel uh, will bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, it is the, uh, not foolish preaching, mind you, uh, but the preaching that can be foolish, as it is said sometimes, that can still bring people to the Lord. I still believe that any man, woman, boy, or girl uh, that uh, fervently prays and seeks the face of God the Father uh, will still hear from heaven and will still see the power and the glory come upon their lives. You and I have as much of God as we want, or we have as little of God as we want. Uh, it is not the fact that uh, we're waiting on God to do something. Uh, the fact is God is waiting on you and me uh, to draw near to him in every venue of our life. I still believe this morning God answers prayer and God still confirms his word uh, with signs to follow. Signs and wonders still accompany the word of God. Conviction still follows upon the preaching and the teaching of God's word uh, when sinners are convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and they can be birthed into the kingdom of the Almighty God. But the truth be told, many churches are trying to live uh, upon the revivals of yesteryears. I mean, you're wading through the ashes of what was uh, when God wants us to have us the fresh fire of what is today. Uh, God is looking for a place whereby he can deposit uh, his Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you, uh, if the Assemblies of God as a whole movement does not want the move of God, uh, he'll find a Baptist church, a Presbyterian church, he'll find a Catholic church, he'll find somewhere uh, where indeed he is open uh, to move in and take residence there. Friend, I am not asking God uh, for a visitation of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking God for a holy habitation uh, of his spirit in my heart and in my life. I'm here to tell you, uh, God Almighty is looking for a place whereby he can deposit his spirit uh, so that men and women may come to know Jesus. Uh, men and women might be healed by the power of the God. Uh, men and women might be set free. Uh, we're talking about a God that can do anything this morning and he's looking for a place uh, where he can deposit his spirit. There are some preachers are inclined uh, to blame 
their lack of power, their lack of vision, and their lack of burden upon their congregations. Uh, there are some pastors that bring, uh, blame their lack of power, uh, their lack of vision, and their lack of burden uh, upon the former pastor, or upon this, or upon that. Uh, let me tell you, the truth of the matter is this. A lost world cannot stand the mighty probing around the heart of the gospel truth. There are some churches that don't even attract enough people to have sinners I'd even come to their church now and again. Brothers and sisters, if there's not enough fire in our pulpit, if there's not enough fire of God around the altar, if there's not enough fire of God in the pew that even attracts the attention of our community, there is something the matter today. I remember a guy years ago, they kept inviting a friend to church. He never went. And one night the church caught on fire. Uh, and, and they had the fire trucks out there just, uh, putting the fire out. And his friend said, hey, finally got you to church. How come you came tonight? He said, first time church ever been on fire. <laughs> if we'll get ourselves on fire with the blaze of the Holy Spirit of God, people will come to watch us burn. But it's not just about us being watched us burn. It's about us taking the fervency of the Spirit of God and going back out into a world that needs to be turned right side up again for the glory of the Lord. I'm no expert on building or increasing church attendance. But friends, I know this much. Statistics, forms, entertainment, marketing, and programs will never set the world, the church afire, nor will it bring men to the keen realization that Jesus Christ loves them. These tactics may grow a crowd, but it won't build a church. Entertainment may bring a crowd, but it will not build a church. All these things may bring a crowd, but it will not build a church. I know something else from personal and practical experience. Old-fashioned, red-hot, true blue, Holy Spirit anointed, Bible-believing, sound doctrine preaching uh, will still cause the sinner uh, to walk down an aisle weeping their way to an old-fashioned altar where they can be born again by the power of God. There's something I don't understand today, and I don't mean to be cavil by saying this, but there's some type of a new salvation that seems to be going along today uh, where people laugh their way to the altar, uh, shake the preacher's hand, and then go back out to the world the same way they came up to that altar. I believe an altar should be a place where our lives are changed. Our lives are altered by the power of the living God. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people today uh, that will come and shake the preacher's hand and think they're going to make it to heaven. Uh, you might as well shake a donkey by the tail uh, because it'll get you about as far. Uh, there's some say, well, I joined your church, so I must be a Christian. Uh, you know what? You, 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 you can join a moose lodge and it won't make you a moose. Uh, you can join uh, the elk club and it won't make you an elk. And a rat can jump in a bag of flour and it won't make it a biscuit. We got to be birthed into the kingdom of God. And I still believe that when the convicting power of God's Holy Spirit uh, moves upon individuals, there will be a change. There will be a shaking. There will be a breaking in that old hard heart. And I believe that tears will fall in the presence of an almighty God. Like Isaiah of old, woe is me. I'm an, a man among unclean men with unclean lips. And I, I see the air of my way. And we stand before the wholeness of an almighty God. We know that we have need of cleansing. And thank God he and he alone uh, can give that to us. The Bible lets me know the Holy Spirit uh, still draws humanity unto himself. Beloved, humanity is lost. Humanity is helpless without God. The world and all it offers will never be able to take care of the wicked heart of mankind. Uh, the philosophies of this world and all of its brilliance and education is never able to change the heart of a darkened man and woman. Uh, cannot be changed. Uh, the ways of the world are contrary to the ways 
activities of the Spirit. And I remind you, God has not called us uh, just simply to get rid of the spider web. God has called us uh, to get rid of the spider of sin, and that can only be dealt with through the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Now to do that, we've got to have God's vision. We must have God's burden. We have the noble and grand privilege of killing the fire of one of the greatest revivals that our world has ever known. We have the wherewithal to do it through the mighty working of the Holy Spirit as he blazes a a hot fire within our hearts and lives. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will suffice. Why? The world at its worst needs you and me at our very best. And if all we do is play church, we've not given God a whole lot to work with. But he wants to be the Lord of our lives. And he wants the fire to be burning uh, within our spirit today. Forget the programs. Forget about the entertainment. Forget about all the things of trying to entertain people and sing them into the kingdom of God. Forget the newfangled hopes of reaching the so-called better class. They'll never be reached by compromising the church. They'll never be reached by a compromising church that quenches the spirit of God, that smothers out the brilliance and the brightness of the fire of God that burns so brightly upon the altar of our heart. If they're going to be reached, the unsaved world, it's going to be reached through you and me as we empower the spirit of God, as he walks in through, walks in us, as he talks through us, as we live our life before a lost and dying world, and we will draw people to Jesus Christ through the anointing of the spirit of the living God. Let me hasten this morning, if I may. Paul the Apostle said, quench not the spirit. It's a living, burning heart cry of God today in this great movement to whom God has trusted the modern day church with a powerful Pentecostal message. Brothers and sisters, I remind you that we are keepers of the past. I'm right to say that we're guardians of the past. We're keepers of the present, but we're architects to the future. The Pentecostal baton was passed off to me in my generation. Have we compromised it? Have we watered it down? Have we lost it? And if so, what are we passing to the next generation? I want that to sink in. We're guardians of the past. We have been given the full gospel. We better guard it lest it slip from us. We're keepers of the present which means we have to know what sound doctrine is and not be stifling the Holy Spirit of God within our midst, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our service and be unapologetically Pentecostal. I am not embarrassed saying I am Pentecostal. I'm not embarrassed to say I believe in speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I'm not embarrassed to say I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit still operate in the body of Christ in a way that will glorify the name of the Lord and edify the body of Christ. But we're architects to the future. What are we drawing for the next generation should the Lord delay his coming? I pray and I trust it will be something of Pentecostalism where they themselves will want. Quench not the spirit. And friend, if the assemblies of God and Pentecostal movements, uh, if we go the way as has done some other denominations, we might as well write in huge letters on our door, Inkabob, where the glory of the Lord hath departed, and take down our church sign and go out of business. But I still believe as long as there's a people that love the Lord and a people that still believe in the Holy Word of God, I believe there'll still be a people that'll be spirit-filled and will do great exploits for the God that we know, the God that we love, and the God that we serve. The world has had enough of formalism.
The world has been inundated with movements that depend on sheer elegance, man-made programs, powerless pulpits, powerless worship, powerless singing, and powerless pews as well. Fervent prayer, holy living, powerful preaching, anointed of the Holy Spirit of God, and powerful testimonies will get the job done in this last day. Another horrible thing is happening in the land. The spirit of Antichrist is dominating our land today. I didn't say Antichrist, I said the spirit of Antichrist. The Bible said this also, know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The word perilous means demonic inspired activity. Have you looked at the news lately? Does it depress you? Do you ever think how in the world could this be in my America? What's happened the last 10 years? The last five years, how it's changed. I believe with all my heart that hell has vomited out every diabolical demonic spirit that it can to rob, to ruin, to kill, and to destroy anything and everything it can because the devil knows we're living in the last days and what he's got to do, he's got to do it quickly. And there are many people that are, that are, that are falling into his tactics, hook, line, and sinker. And as a result of that, uh, all this demonic activity is seen all around our world today. That's what we're seeing lived out in society on a daily basis. We see the very epitome, the very epitome of evil uh, lurking in our culture today, be it government media, uh, entertainment industry, big tech, education, pharmaceutical, even family services. Uh, we, we hear so much about their minds, their ideas, their beliefs, their philosophies, and their ideology is demonically uh, inspired tactics. A society without Jesus is a society going to hell, going to hell in a handbasket. Our society without God is out of control. It seems that people in all walks of life are jockeying uh, for power over somebody. And friend, it's not just in these institutions I mentioned a moment ago. Even in the church world today, there are many people jockeying for power over their fellow man. The tragedy of all this is that people seem to be unaware of the awful danger that this brings. Beloved, we need to turn the leadership of the church back over to the Holy Spirit. I said we need to turn the leadership of the church back over to the Holy Spirit. Far too many preachers, far too many deacons, and far too many people with money in many churches today are trying to rule the roost and trying to rule the church today. Uh, too many preachers want to control what goes on in the, in the church, stifling the Holy Spirit, robbing God's conviction, robbing the gifts of the Spirit from operating, and robbing God from His rightful place in His own church. There are far too many deacons in many denominations that are telling their pastors is what they can preach, what they cannot preach, and how long they are to preach. And a lot of people in churches have a lot of money, and yet they don't want to listen to the heartbeat of God to invest in missions. They'd rather buy a pool table for the fellowship hall. I still believe that a church without the Holy Spirit leading us, we're, not, we're doomed for failure. But oh God, give me a church that's led by the Spirit of God. Give me a church that's led by the anointing of God. Give me a church that will depend upon the Holy Spirit of God. Friend, we can trust the Spirit of God to lead 
lead preachers, uh, to lead prophets, uh, to lead the evangelists. Uh, and, and it's not, we're hopeless today in which we live. The same God that directed Peter uh, to the household of Cornelius. The same God that directed Paul to Macedonia. Uh, the same God that left uh, Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch is the same God that can lead you and lead me where we need to go today. And wherever the Lord leads, he will provide. Wherever the Lord sends, he will provide because he is a God that works on both ends. I'm going to tell you, God give us leaders today, not managers, but leaders under the, be led of the Spirit of God. And with that being said, that hate nothing but sin and fear nothing but God himself. The spirit of Antichrist is that spirit that would reach into heaven, snatch the Holy Spirit from the Godhead, usurp, if you will, his divine right to direct the onward march of the body of Christ today. Satan will run, Satan will rule, and Satan will ruin the church if we let him. I'm going to make a statement here. You don't have to agree with it. You can be wrong if you want to. <laughs> Just kidding. Satan will join the church if we let him. Are you aware of that? You go to some churches, and I, I, I shudder to think what I've seen in some of the churches uh, of, 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 of the cliques and the jealousies and the hatred and, and, and the things like that. It just stifles what God wants to do. And people don't want to go to something like that. I thank God for New Life Assembly. We're not a perfect people, but you're a loving people. And you're merciful to each other and you're gracious to each other because you've accepted the same love and mercy and grace from the Almighty God. Mercy has no memory and grace has no regret. And for that I'll forever be grateful. That spirit of Antichrist is that spirit that will come into our church. He'll put a stronghold on the manifestation of God's power. He'll stifle the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He'll take the shouts of triumphal praise from God's people. And he'll declare with a nasal twang that everything must be done quietly. Everything must be done dignified. Everything must be done reverently. And it must be done in a stoic manner. And people often look down their long religious noses and they'll judge the songs that we sing and the excitement of our worship that we give to God. And they say, you gotta be careful because it's wildfire. Gotta be careful of wildfire. Those same people will go to a ball game and act like a screaming Indian and come to church and sit like a wooden Indian. I've never been afraid of wildfire in a church because there's always enough wet blankets sitting around the pew to put them out. Amen. We know they're there. We know they're there. Some days that's me. I admonish you to kick off the spirit of Antichrist. Allow the Holy Spirit to tune your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to play melody in your heart that you did not know was there. Kick off the spirit of Antichrist and allow the Holy Spirit to play us, to move us, to lead us, to guide us, and to take us where we've never ever been before. Let our praises, our most high praise and worship be offered to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let nothing stop us from rejoicing in the God of our salvation. Jesus Christ and Antichrist, they are standing engaged to fight to the death. But for us, there is no compromise. There is no armistice. There is no retreat. There is no drawing back. We want to go on with the Lord Jesus Christ. The same moving of the Holy Spirit that melted my heart as a 17-year-old boy.
is the same Holy Spirit that's melted your heart somewhere in your life. And it's the same Holy Spirit that will melt the lives of tens of millions of other people that will stand under the gospel preaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. They too can weep as they walk down to an altar and meet a transformation uh, through the power of God's Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you today, no one can successfully put a harness on the Holy Spirit. If we don't want Him to move here, and I believe we do, He will find somewhere else to go and move. He's not looking for the tag on the door. He's looking for the hunger in the heart. And if the assemblies of God in particular, New Life in, in Assembly of God in general, if we don't want the move of God, He'll find the first church of the Frigidaire down the road and He'll thaw them out and He'll manifest His Spirit to them. Dear God, make a deposit of your Spirit right here, right now. We welcome fresh fire. We welcome fresh anointing. We welcome a fresh breath from the throne of God. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. Thirdly, another horrible thing has happened in the land. Your husband, wife, loved one, and neighbor may be in hell tomorrow. Now, Pastor, this is not politically correct. You're not supposed to talk about hell no more. It offends people. Only that special. What I've learned from hell, I learned from Jesus Christ. There is a prepared place for prepared people. And there is a prepared place for an unprepared people. Heaven for the prepared and hell for the unprepared. This raging of the souls have been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. I have too many illustrations to come to mind here, but I bring up one. Several years ago, I pastored a man and his daughter died. It just devastated him. I did her funeral. At the graveyard, his son and her brother was standing there. I looked at him and I said, sir, I said, you're eating up with jaundice. Yeah, I've got cancer. I get my treatment tomorrow and I'll be bad for a week then I'll start feeling good. Well, they put him in the hospital. I went to Haines City and led him to the Lord. That one week later, we're back to the same funeral home. And that man who buried his daughter on this Monday was now burying his son the following Monday. Both were gone. Death separated them by one week. Both were gone. But where are we going? I'm going. You're going. Our family and friends and co-workers and neighbors, they're going as well. But we've got to ask ourselves this question. But where are they going and where are we going to go when we die? In America, we are a death-denying and a death-defying society. We have driver's education and sex education and work education, but we don't want to talk about death education because for us it's something we push down the road. It's morbid. Everybody dies, they preach them into heaven. Friend, that's not the case. The truth of the matter is, where are we going when we die? You and I can help determine that. One of the reasons that we're saved and born again is that God has deposited His Spirit within us that we can be soul winners and a little evangelists in this world today. God Almighty, through Christ Jesus, simply said, Look up on the fields, for they're white for harvest. Send forth laborers into the harvest field, that they might reap the harvest. The Father's table is full, but His fields are empty. And the truth of the matter is, we must be evangelistic in what we do, and we must be willing 
to share the gospel message with whosoever is of this world. You may say, I'm not educated. You may say, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you, if you would just simply tell people what Jesus Christ has done for you, you'll be the greatest testimony the Lord's ever had to work with somebody. You don't have to call. God has not called us to make people believe. He has called us to tell them about who Jesus is so they can believe today. Brothers and sisters, before we talk to people about the lost, let's talk to God about them first. And He can lead us to the places that we need to go, tell them what they need to hear, so that they too can be saved by the power of God's Holy Spirit. The Bible tells me in James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Is we're living where we ought to live and minding God as we should mind Him. We have God under obligation to bring conviction upon those to whom we're witnessing to. I love that. God is under obligation. When you and I are witnesses to somebody, give them the Word of God. They may turn you down, they may turn me down, but they cannot resist the Word of God. I remember uh, David Wilkerson many years ago, I went to the streets of New York City in order to try to witness to the gangs that were up there. That was, uh, that was way beyond his pay grade, way beyond his comfort zone. But here was a little skinny guy that had a burden for the gangs of New York City, wrapped him out of the, his, his comfort zone and thrusted him into the streets of those gangs. And I mean, it was, it was, they were notorious. Went to Nicky Cruz. Nicky Cruz would spit in his face and laugh at him and curse him. But, Nicky, but David Rose said, Nicky, God loves you. In the wee hours of the morning while Dave Works had gone back to where he was residing and Nicky Cruz went into some bridge where he lived, he could not get those words out of his mind, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And today Nicky Cruz is a spirit-filled preacher all because of the anointing of God's Spirit. Brothers and sisters, write letters to people. Uh, you, let me tell you, you can write letters and you can pray over them and put the Word of God in it and God will use your letters to lead people. Lord, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Another horrible thing, the eternal sun is almost set and there's a thick darkness that's covering this earth today. Jesus said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. The prophet Amos I uh, saw it coming as well, and he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. You know what scares me? In this hour in which we live today, people believe anything on earth except the truth of God's Word. They're swallowing lies and poison as if though it were the truth. It reminds me of a little old boy one time. He watched the mother bird. She was flying away from the nest to go out and get a worm to come back and feed her babies. This little kid, I don't know what you want to call him necessarily, but smart aleck, he took a cockle burr and put it in the mouth of one of those baby birds. And that baby bird would swallow that even if it meant the death because he was hungry. And there are tens of thousands of people today that they're swallowing the lies of hell, swallowing the lies of humanism and socialism, swallowing the lies of everything that's contradictory to the Word of God. And they're dying and dying and dying and they're deceived all the way around. Many people believe that any religion will give them peace with God and go to heaven. They'll give their hard-earned money uh, to some cult. They believe in themselves or on working. But the world is filled with different beliefs from the secular to the spiritual.
from politics to religions. But the Bible, the only book that humanity will be judged from, this book is the only one that has the truth. There are many religions, but there's only one way. There are many doctrines, but there's only one truth. And there are many people that promise you great and grand things, but there's only one that promises life. Jesus Christ is the only way to know the truth in order to have life and to have that life more abundantly. Paul reminds us with these words, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with the power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceitfulness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusions and they shall believe a lie that they all might be damned to believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now I realize that this scripture comes into fruition during and after the rapture of the church. But the manifestation of the Antichrist spirit, this unholy spirit, is working overtime in our world even today. People are believing lies that's deceiving them and ruining them forever. There's gross darkness, humanism, universalism, spiritualism, socialism, and lies that have, uh, that have raped our democracy uh, in the last several years. Let me be blunt. Any movement, any sect, any government, any denomination that holds up any other standard than full and complete forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ is the wrong message preached by the wrong people for the wrong time. Jesus is not one way among many. He is the only way. And I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. There's only one remedy for sin, and that's the blood the blood. There's only one way for you, your family, your neighbors, and your co-workers. That's to approach God by way of the cross of Calvary and appropriate by faith the blood of Jesus Christ to your life. I have watched tens of hundreds of people through my ministry through the years, hundreds and hundreds, that have come to know Jesus Christ. They'll pray a prayer under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, and I've watched their lives transformed. I think one of the greatest memories that I have is watching my dad give his heart to Jesus. I've thought about that so many times over the course of the years. The very first sermon I ever preached in my life, three people came to the altar and my dad was the first. And I watched his whole life, his whole countenance transformed by the power of God. Friends, I tell you, we've got something that lasts for time and eternity. I want to tell you something. Uh, this may not make a bit of sense to you. I'm on medicine, so you'll forgive me. I thank God for doctors and lawyers and Indian chiefs. A lawyer can win a case and make thousands of dollars. A doctor can perform a surgery and make thousands of dollars. A dentist can clean your teeth today, and that's three to four hundred dollars just to clean them. I think it'd be cheaper sometime to pull them and get some false ones. And we thank God for these people. But we as Christians are dealing with something that lasts for eternity. That doctor did a surgery, that person is going to die. That lawyer had a case, that person is going to die. That, that, that person that had their teeth pulled or cleaned is going to die. But we're dealing with something here, friends, that lasts forever and ever and ever. 
And the world looks upon Christianity and preachers as if though we just barely get along and, and, and we you got you got hayseed in our hair and we're let me tell you something, friend. We have the answer to the woes of this world. It's all through the book and all through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. The blood, the blood is my plea, hallelujah, for it's the holy blood of Jesus that cleanses me. Any other preaching, any other doctrine is doomed to fail. I find comfort in the word of the old prophet Zechariah when he said, And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Midst all the darkness, spiritual darkness and confusion in this world, there shines a light from Calvary that the darkness of hell cannot put out. I want you to sink in. The darkness of hell cannot put out. Sometimes it looks like a little glimmer of hope is all that's there. But so long as the church of the living God remains upon this world, there'll be enough light for you and I to reach the destination called home. There'll be enough light for you and I to share with a lost and dying world that they can be born again and find light uh, to make it all the way home as well. On the mirror cross nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ lit a fire that will shine throughout this world until he finally says enough. And once he says enough, the trump of God will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, and we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the clouds of glory. And there in the middle of the air we will be with him forever and ever. That's the hope that we have. That's more than wishful thinking. That is a hope that we have today for the glory of God. Now the light has often tried to be quenched through the years. The blaze made to flicker from time to time throughout history, and that's where we are today. But I remind you through the providence of God, through a man by the name of Martin Luther, uh, he took out the old lantern, he shined it up and put fresh oil in it, and there was tremendous power of God that would flow again. It happened the same time with men like uh, Jane, uh, Charles and John Wesley, along with George Whitfield, uh, that they took out the old uh, oil that had burned out and put fresh oil up on it, and it began to revival fire, begin to flow uh, around Europe at that time as well. And then just about a hundred years ago, with a latter rain, the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, the assemblies of God was formed, and other denominations were formed that were surely Pentecostal, uh, that wanted to get the message of the gospel out through missions and through evangelism. But friend, we cannot live off of the ashes of that revival. As we see the gross darkness, as we see the socialism, the communism, the Marxism, as we see all the spiritualism in this world today, I think it's time that we as a people and we as a church take that lantern once again and say, God, we've got to shine it up. And I want to open up my vessel for you to pour uh, in the fresh oil once again that we might burn brightly the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God for the world at its worst needs us at our best. As long as we do our part, God will do His part through the church. Today you have light. Today I have light. We can see the light in the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of perversion and pain and suffering and sorrows and disease and death, in the midst of turmoil, war and hopelessness, uh, you can see the light of heaven. But what about tomorrow? I don't know about tomorrow. I have no promise of it. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I take tomorrow when it gets here. I don't know and you don't know about tomorrow. But I know one thing. We used to sing the old Pentecostal song that went like this. When the sun of your life has gone down and the clouds in the west turn gold, oh, just think how the death you will feel if the light has gone out of your soul. Mm. A horrible thing has happened in the land, and it may get worse before it gets better. 
but you can have your own personal Pentecost. Too many people today want to have a Pentecost without Christ. There is no such thing as a Christless Pentecost. But if we've accepted Him, we know Him, we love Him, we can have the Pentecost in our heart. Friends, let me tell you something. It can be better in your life if you'll just step out of the darkness in the light of God's love. One day, death will be thrown into darkness, outer darkness, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But you and I that know the Lord will go into a city where He Himself is the light of that city. No need for the moon, no need for the sun. The Son of God will be there lighting that city. And I think you all want to go to that place called heaven, a prepared place for a prepared people. Father.